Welcome to Bickering Peaks, uh, the podcast that's intellectually unequipped to talk about this episode, <laughs> but we are going to do it anyways. We're intellectually, we're emotionally unequipped, we're a In lot every of way we are unequipped to deal with this. But. but we are the podcast featuring the most intense ethereal whooshing per hour. <sighs> that was another ethereal, nor all that intense, but I applaud the effort, Lindsay. Well, I tried. It's a slow clap for you. That was a good shot. Good shot. Thanks. Thanks. Uh, we are here to talk about part eight. Part eight. Got a light. Got a light? Question mark. Ugh. Yes. Nightmare fodder. Well, yeah. Yes. Uh, and this episode, this mm. part, mm-hmm. um, it is something. Mm-hmm. It's unlike anything we've seen in Twin Peaks land before. Yeah. Um, or well, it's very similar to part three, I think, in, in a lot of ways. Some ways, yeah. But it Moments. also... Yeah, but, but then it, it also It doesn't just... have that... At least in part three, there was a narrative... We were sort watching of? Cooper move, and guess, things yeah. were happening, and we were watching. We're watching DC things and stuff. happen here, but we just don't know what's happening, or in what order, or when or it's when, happening, or if it's happening. Yeah, in our dimension. Yeah, there are many questions. Um, um, but it it's uh, it's definitely engendered quite a lot of discussion. Yes, the um, internet was set ablaze, and a lot of criticism of. David Lynch, a lot of criticism of Twin Peaks. A lot of praise of both A lot of, of praise, absolutely. Yes. But also um, something that affects us as podcasters because how do you recap something that is, there's no dialogue or very, very little dialogue. There's very little plot. Yep. It's it's kind of, it's difficult and it's, it's visual. It's mm-hmm. so visual. And also it has a lot of um, audio, audio yeah. qualities, sonic qualities that are, you know, we're not going to be... I tried my intense ethereal whooshing here, but <laughs> but clearly I'm, I'm not going to be, you know, able to pull off all of the sounds. No, and thankfully so it's, it's just, <laughs> there are things called MP3s that you can insert yes, into a podcast. Absolutely. But, but yeah. I'm just saying, it's hard to it's hard to do something like this and, and take a step back and kind of critically analyze it in the format that we've chosen to do that, which is on a podcast well, or in a, an article. You know, Rolling yeah. Stone writes in... E online rights and all these places have written some more successfully than others about this episode. So it just goes to show you that this 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 series maybe is defying what it means to recap a show. The morning after recaps are I think it's defying our definition of a TV show for yes, sure. Yes, absolutely. So there's good, good call, Aiden. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I, I guess that's as good a place to start as any, um, is our overall thoughts. Yeah. Uh, I have so many, yet so few unwritten down. Mm-hmm. Maybe we'll start with you. What did you have at the top of your list that you wanted to talk about? Uh, I mentioned it already. I think the visual quality of of what we experienced is is tops. I think that's where where I would want to start talking about it because it's just so. There were so many images that um, they were so striking, mm-hmm. and I I've heard it. I've heard David Lynch uh, criticized as a student filmmaker, quote unquote, but I also saw it today, ref- him referred to as a student filmmaker in all the best qualities, that that Lynch is a, is a director who will, 
not take anything for granted. He will try anything. He will experiment with everything. I mean, we we know this. We we're no strangers to this. But I think people who are brand new to David Lynch or maybe are just starting to think about him critically are kind of coming to that realization that that he is an experimental filmmaker. So he's not going to go in and think this is. I'm going to take this for granted. I'm going to use this film stock, or I'm going to use this effect, or I'm going to use this whatever. He's going to try everything, and we see that in some of the sequences here. I mean, you could sit and try and figure out what he did, what he filmed, or or how much of it was CGI and how Mm -hmm. much of it was matte painting or whatever. Um, And there's certainly a place for that, but I think think some of that is it takes away from it a little little bit if you start to really go deep and analyze and take it apart. Um, But by the same token, it's still, like, it's just a sign of how... Um, that that's what makes him such an envelope pusher is that he is willing to just I don't know submerge a camera in a in a body of water and film and what he bubbles. sees yeah or whatever <laughs> yeah, I mean yeah. it's and other filmmakers I don't think are as willing to do that and I think that's what makes David Lynch really special. Well, uh, yeah, you, you, people describe me as a film student. This is a film master. This is someone yes, who is yes, yeah. can create you know visually and auditorily arresting material out of basically colors and bubbles and but the and point the point stuff. is not that he's he's not studied that's not the point it's that he has that curiosity that a yes film yes, yes, has. yes 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 it's not that he's not skilled that's mm-hmm. not in the no, 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 some I, people I will say that yeah. and he's this he's a student in the sense that he doesn't know what he's doing and i'm saying it's that's no no, no i know yeah. i know okay. it's just it's interesting they still use that the terminology yeah, 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 yeah. it's it's a good point for sure yeah. um i also wanted to say that it frustrated me in equal turns as it enthralled me. I was, I think that's, that's really something incredible about, um, about the return. And maybe I've talked about this. I feel like I've talked about a lot of this stuff already, but, um, the fact that you can be, that you can love it and be so intensely frustrated by it. I think that's just so beautiful. It's like any relationship. It's like my relationship with you, Aiden. I love you, but you frustrate me (laughs) endlessly sometimes. And, and that's what, Mm. that's the relationship I feel like I'm starting to have with the return is that, I I'm loving what I see and I'm intensely frustrated by what I see and somewhere in there is where I'm sitting like it's it's never one or the other in in any extreme it's in between the two it's it's really cool it's unlike anything I've ever experienced on tv or film yeah ever and and there was a lot of um internet talk you know the superlatives really came out on the mm-hmm. online and in the recaps and the the reviews uh this morning yeah uh you know there was a there's a lot of talk of you know this is the most arresting hour this is the most intense the most visually stunning insert you know descriptor here not just a twin of peaks, hour but no, of television anything. yeah of yes. anything that's ever appeared on a television and you know i whether or not that's that's true i guess is kind of up in the air i've never seen anything like this yeah um and it was it, and again, it, it really gets back to Lynch's point that he made over and over again. This is an 18-hour film. Mm-hmm. So, yes, in an 18-hour film, you can dedicate 30 minutes in the middle of hour eight to yeah. uh, to this, to, yeah. to, to a 30-minute uh, extravaganza of color and sound and explosions and travel. Yeah, just, a, just an, an entire experience right in the middle of it, basically, yeah. right, almost literally right in the middle of it. Yeah. Uh, and that's that's incredible, you know. That that's something that, um, yeah, is just is is unparalleled. I think. I mean, we haven't watched other, everything no, in, but, from every country, but no, it's certainly on American television unparalleled. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it, again, it strikes as a film 
Um, and the other thing that loosely connects to that is that uh, last week we were talking about how all oh, this feels like it's we're getting into act two. <laughs> this is this is the plot is moving forward. Things are co- coalescing, and then we just got smacked across the face in the most interesting way. And I mean, technically, it is act two, but this is not. Lynch is not doing a Hollywood film. No. Even. He is doing a, a Lynch, Lynch film. film. Yeah. Uh, and here we saw odes to basically probably every Lynch favorite uh, type of cinema all in one well, episode. especially really. Kubrick, right? Yeah, Lots exactly. Of Lots of Kubrick. Uh, Art Nouveau with, uh, you know, it was very Fritz Lang. Oh, you mean uh, And yeah, German art, Expressionism. Yeah. yeah, Art Nouveau is an art yeah, style. Yeah, the style, but that was visually expressed mm. in, the, in that uh, expressionist sequence uh and you know we all said 50s you know his return to 50s nostalgia and cute little relationships with you know insects crawling in in the middle of them yeah uh you know this is really uh this episode in particular was a summation of lynch as the visual artist and as an art house director Mm -hmm. like this really feels like okay you know what we're gonna take a little spin down here like what did mark frost like all the memes today were like Mark Frost writes down, so the nuclear bomb uh, opens a gateway between the two worlds. And then she's like, okay, give me 45 minutes. Of time. <laughs> and, then he, and he stretched it out into this. And it's it's wonderful and, and beautiful. So I agree with your uh, summary that uh-huh. this both infuriates and delights. Mm-hmm. I was much more delighted just yeah. to watch it because, but only only by the end. I was, because it starts off uh, following Doppelkoop and Ray, and you're like, okay, there's some plot going on for sure. I still want to find out what happens mm-hmm. here. And then something major happens in the plot, and I'm like, okay, I want to get back to that. And then... I, once you realize that there's not, that there is no going back yeah, to that right now. Like, yeah. that's just not where we're going. Then you can just absorb it and yes. just be like, yes, yeah. wherever we are now is great. But the first watch, I think I, I pause it, and I was like, it was like 10 minutes left. I'm like, we haven't seen anything. Cooper yeah. just got shot and nothing's happened. Yeah. But, I mean, that was just delightful to realize, no, that's what this episode is about. Yep. This is a new tangent. And uh, it feels wonderful, I think. I think there's a certain amount of trust, too, that we've, we've been saying, like, trust in, in Mark Frost and David Lynch. They, they know what they're doing. They're going to take us where we need to be in exactly the right time and when we need to be there. But maybe I didn't really believe that until mm-hmm. uh, watching it yesterday. Yep. Because I felt like you, like, you know, you want to get back to these plot points. But then you see, you know, a nuclear bomb go off in the middle of, you know, the New Mexico desert. Yeah. And it's like, holy crap. And then you see the convenience store. Yes. The convenience store. Yes. And you're like, whoa, okay. I didn't like, think And that was totally unexpected that. too, right? And mm-hmm. we'll get into that when we when we talk about in our quote-unquote recap. Yeah. But um, the other thing that I wanted to bring up that people have been talking about a lot online is because uh, there's still a lot of criticism from people who are upset that they aren't seeing their favorite characters returning. And, um, you know, we're heading into hour nine. We've got a... a basically a two-week break, a a hiatus of one week, but we're not going to see episodes for another two weeks. And and people are upset that we're halfway through the series now and Big Ed hasn't shown up and Nadine hasn't said a word and Audrey hasn't shown up. And and it's almost like um, everything that we heard before the return premiered, that this was not going to be an exercise in nostalgia and that that's not at all what they were interested in doing. It's like some people have forgotten that or maybe they just weren't listening Mm -hmm. because... The show that that we came from, season one and season two of Twin Peaks, were genre-defying in a way that that worked within the paradigm that existed at the time, right? Nightly soap operas like Dynasty and Dallas and cop shows like uh, Hill Street Blues and, and et cetera, right? Now, we're still with a genre-defying show, but it's... it's it's matched the 
the modern day exactly genres, the environment yeah. that we yeah. have now the breaking mm-hmm. bad and lost and sopranos and uh, mad men and all of these yeah. prestige dramas that um that were birthed because of twin peaks now it's like david lynch has returned and is like okay let's take this to the next level yeah. Um, well, and I, mean, I think people yeah. are forgetting that they they yeah. want that that soap opera parody, um, you know, cop melodrama pastiche thing that we got, and that's not what we're doing anymore. No, and it, it's exactly what you know. Right before it and it aired, when he was saying this eighteen hour film, yes. Uh, one of our comments online was like, "It feels like Lynch is going to recreate television again." Yeah, you know? and. He's doing it, and yeah. this is this is something. This episode in particular is a standout for that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's there's a larger question, and this is something I've been I've been working on a mini essay, and I, I think it'll tackle some of this. But how much of TV is going to follow this? How much yeah, of exactly. it can you know? Exactly. Like without, I mean, if Kubrick came in and did a television series, if right. he, you know if he was around to do that kind of work, then maybe then that would be something but I mean yeah but can you see Aaron Sorkin returning to TV and and doing something that's gonna that's gonna be influenced by this like I I, I don't know or yeah. David Fincher or like I'm yeah. thinking of other great yeah, yeah, showrunners yeah. that maybe or maybe a film director will well, come that's back the thing. and J.J. Abrams could come back or, yeah. or something but yeah or Nolan like I, I would love yeah. to see a Christopher Nolan 18 hour film you know like that right. would be really amazing sure I, and I wonder if that's gonna happen or mm-hmm. if, if we're just gonna if people are just gonna step back and say you know what this is this is what David Lynch is good at we're not gonna try and yeah, I mean, Lynch, Lynch. Yeah, right? exactly. I mean, so I mean, are you going to get TV series, prestige TV that that apes certain aspects yeah. of Lynch? Is it just going to increase the the scope and the the ambition of other TV creators? Like, mm-hmm. is Netflix going to say, "Well, okay, let's yeah, find yeah, the yeah. next right. Twin Peaks right. 2017 right. version," you know? Right. And they're gonna they're gonna stop making Marvel whatever and sure. and Glow and other entertainment based ones and find something that's a little more arty. And can push the boundaries yeah. on their own side a little right, bit more. Right. I don't know. I think it'll be interesting to see. But I mean, this yeah. episode really did push beyond anything I'd ever expected. Even even in Twin Peaks, you know. Right. And and I mean, we've been jokingly putting out this poll online every weekend. <laughs> yes. um, our ridiculous Twitter, yeah. predictions poll on Twitter. And um, and of course, we never expect any of this to come true. But it was so banal. Like looking at our predictions that we made, and then um, like. No, we actually got like the birth of the Black Lodges. Yeah. Is what it appears to Maybe, be. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> um, that nobody had that. That yeah. was not an option because yeah. it was so far beyond anything we could have expected. Even in our most ridiculous, I mean, we're trying to be funny, but it's still, it's, it's just, yeah. it, it's not the kind of show. Like I remember watching Mad Men, and sort of being able to kind of predict what was going to happen. Yeah. And there'd be a few twists, but you knew that it was going to happen in episode nine or whatever. Mm-hmm. And the Monday morning after after an episode would air, you'd have all the think pieces come out. There wouldn't be this kind of fan commentary. No. There wasn't this kind of engagement. And and I, it was on Twitter. It was you know only a few years ago that the show ended, yeah, ended right? Yeah. That was the last show that I really watched intensely, like like as um, it aired and as yeah. the kind of culture took it in. Yeah. So, um, but with Twin Peaks, there's this. I mean, people are are diving into some really deep theories and Reddit and. Twitter and Facebook, people are just going crazy with this stuff, and it's unlike anything that I've ever seen. And it's a lot of people are saying it, it's reminding them of we've mentioned this before of what it was like in 1991. Mm-hmm. Um, but unlike that, 
and unlike the shows that we've come from you it's not a show that you can that you can know what to expect you you literally just have to go into it with zero expectations mm-hmm. and you know as as we're learning even though we say we have zero expectations we still have expectations and I think the quicker you are to acknowledge that and recognize that and discard them, the better yeah, the, a time you'll have. Exactly. You'll enjoy it more. Yeah. I absolutely agree. So let's start with the beginning of how we watched. And I say that because it's not, we didn't start the episode with even Rancho Rosa. No. We started with, we're streaming it. And so you have to select the part that you want to watch. Right. And that comes with a little icon. A little thumbnail. Yeah. And, and the thumbnail image was of the mushroom cloud. Yes. From a distance. From a like distance. The first but you could tell explosion. what it was when you, when right you looked away. at it. Black and white mushroom cloud. And we both just sat there and looked at each other like, like what, what the hell? hell? Is that the light that we have to get? Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, are we talking about a nuclear And light? then with the Rancho Rosa opening being in black and white as well, a, a, a few people, um, I think it was posted on the Showtime Twitter page, uh, maybe after part five or, yeah, something, or something that the, yeah. that the opening the rancher was opening is different every episode maybe some of you have noticed that as well um but yeah so it just it just got us thinking and I, I wondered how that um how that started for people who were watching it on showtime was there a uh, an icon or or any other cable broadcasting because it's being broadcast on sky and and canal plus in france mm-hmm. and um so on non-streaming platforms did you get a thumbnail too? Like we're really curious about this because it, it seemed to prime us right away for something that we, we didn't expect. Didn't expect <laughs> which was, we knew yeah. not to expect. It sounds so stupid to say that. We no, no, but we did. Me, but we, again, last week we, we were did. thinking this plot is moving forward. Yes. We're going to continue with this. And then this came in. So yeah. it, we were not expecting it. And it was. So it was it, again, I, think, yeah. I think it affected us going into it thinking like we knew that something big on, on like a, <laughs> yeah. on like a nuclear scale was going to happen. Yeah. Um, just because of this thumbnail. Mm-hmm. So um, that was just an interesting little experiential note we wanted mm-hmm. to bring up because it did kind of yeah, I think it, affect us. Yeah, it set the stage. And, and I think once we realized where we were halfway through, we're like, yes, okay, this is... Yeah. That that thumbnail did summarize yes, the episode in, yeah. in a weird way. It's kind of interesting to, to think. And I, we haven't really done too much work on connecting the colors of the Rancho Rosa sign. No, I'm sure other people have, though. There's probably something out there. Um, but it is worth it's worth noting that, yes, you get a different color, and then, yeah, you get the consistency of Laura. Period. Right, yeah. So, the, let's start with the, the section that there is a plot to. There's plot at the beginning, and there's plot at the end. Yes. The, like, plot sandwich. Mm-hmm. It's an Oreo, a plot Oreo. <laughs> a plot Oreo, with some juicy feeling in the middle. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, we're following Ray and Cooper as they leave the prison. Yeah. So they're in the car. Uh, Cooper, with his magic phone, of course, electricity, he's got it all covered. Yeah. Finds three tracking devices on uh, the car that they planted. What are they called? C? Oh, it, I don't I mean, think whatever, it matters yeah. what's on it. But I think I think we were debating wh- whether or not he throws the the tracking devices somehow, attaches them to the truck in front of them. Mm-hmm. Well, or if he implied. puts them on the car. or Sorry, if he puts them on the phone and then throws the phone out the are they on the phone now? No. Well, why would he have to write why down the write, it down? write yeah. down the truck license? Either way, yeah. he's he's. I mean, this is this is his his magic tape recorder taken to a whole nother level. I oh, mean, yeah. if we if we haven't mentioned that before, I mean, now we see this thing. It's it's doing things that no phone can do. Yeah. Um, well, it's connecting has, all things that are. Yeah, and right. he's he's able to to do this. So just to get them off their tail. Yeah. He deletes the three. Trackers, trackers and, and, and tosses, tosses his phone. His phone. Yeah. Um, so then Ray's kind of apologizing for, you know, getting caught and 
getting all mixed up and he thanks Cooper for saving him. Right. And then he asks, uh, where's you know, Daria? Yeah, where's Daria? <laughs> because Cooper says, well, Daria told me about everything. Yeah. Um, Cooper doesn't really, or no, he says that she's waiting for him, uh, in a safe place. Right. Wait, for, waiting a for a phone call. call. Yeah. Um, but it, it raised some questions for me because, um, obviously Mr. C knew that Daria and Ray were in some cahoots with someone. And I think he suspects it's Philip Jeffries after the conversation that he had in, in part two. Mm-hmm. But um, I was expecting, like, this is this is, this is is a prime example of where you really shouldn't expect anything. Because I was expecting Ray to bite it this mm-hmm. episode. Oh, absolutely. And, and because Mr. C knew that Ray, so he's going to get He had the, the gun, he asked for it. Yeah, he's yes. going to get what he wants. Uh, and then kill Ray. And then kill Ray. And it seems like that's what's going to yeah. happen. They drive off the road and, yeah. and head towards down. A, and I've never been more frightened yeah. of a, a darkened road right? before. That was so cool. Like, you get, you know, the highway, then they pull off the highway, then they're on the side road, then they're on the dirt road. And it's like this intense beer that's going to hang over because yeah, Ray's definitely getting shot in the head. Well, and not only that, but visually it's like, you know, when you're driving a car at night and you don't, maybe you don't have your high beams on, or even if you do have your high beams on, you know, it only illuminates part of the road. Yeah. And we're getting a view of the road. As it twists and turns. Right. But, but only like the bottom fifth of the page or the, sorry, only the bottom fifth of the screen is lit up and the rest is this like somebody wrote online that, that David Lynch is filming in Vanta Black, and that's what this is like. It is mm-hmm. such a deep black. It's inky. It's dark. It's impenetrable blackness, and that fills the whole screen. So you literally, it's like being afraid of the dark times ten because you're heading towards at great speed, heading towards something you don't know. Mm-hmm. You you have no idea what's beyond there, and you can only see this bottom sliver. It's terrifying. Yeah. I've never been more afraid to watch somebody drive down a road. Absolutely, it's great. And and all the while they're having this conversation about, you know, Ray ends up blackmailing Mr. Mr. C. Yeah, he's basically saying, I think you're, this information is worth some money, blah, yeah. blah, blah. Um, then he says, can I pull off and take a piss? Yeah. Cooper says, go for it. And then, yes, Cooper checks the gun in the glove box and then yes. goes to interrogate Ray, who has switched the, something happened. Now, and this is kind of interesting to me how he got out of it. I don't think we'll ever see it. But, like, right. did he also bribe the the guards and, right. the, and the warden to get the gun or did he just swap it really quickly when he first got out there we don't know exactly how we got it worked out and I don't think it'll matter but um the fact yeah. is that Ray has the gun that has the bullets in it and Mr. C has nothing well he it's has bullets or something yeah it's not it doesn't work maybe the the, fun, yeah, the, the pins not yeah. in or something like that mm-hmm. um but then yeah so Ray shoots Cooper twice yeah and he falls down and then Ray stands over him like he's gonna deliver a blow and then we enter the surreal and, yeah. <laughs> and the woodsmen in faint form, I'd call them the ghost like, uh, come out of the woods and three of them go to Cooper and three of them start dancing around Ray. Right. Like they're either stopping him from shooting Cooper again. Well, or, I, or just like blocking, blocking his access, him. I think, or yeah, something. Um, and this sequence is just so weird. Uh, I don't even know how to talk well, about it's, it. Well, it's, uh, we should first say that these are the, the, the blackened charcoal men mm-hmm. that um, we've, saw, we've seen previously in the Buckhorn, South Dakota prison. I think both times, either in the prison or the, yeah, the, morgue, the morgue, but in Buckhorn. Yeah. Um, and here they're given names. They are given the name, or one of them is given the name of the woodsman. So we're, just, we're calling them. Yeah, everybody's woodsman. calling them the woodsman. Yeah. Um, but what's interesting about this is that it doesn't seem like they're all present there. They're not solid like we've seen them before. There's like a transparency to them. And 
they sometimes phase into like solid mm-hmm. form and then they phase back out into this transparent form ray phases in and out too A it seems bit, like yeah. the only one who doesn't is is mr c which is interesting that well, I saw then. anyway. Yeah, and, and it's interesting because the way he's sprawled out mm-hmm. is very similar to how he sprawled out when he'd been shot two times. Or it was two times in three times. Three times in yeah. season two. But he was also when Cooper was. When yes, Cooper, yeah, right. exactly. Well, Cooper. So he's he's yeah. laying down and his arms are at his sides again. And and when they start doing the kind of like uh dance and, and molesting him and rubbing blood all over the place and stuff like that, it feels like um like a physical manifestation of what the waiter did you know it's 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 another mm. spiritual encounter after a gunshot wound um this time you know on a level we're not seeing it through cooper's eyes because he's down and out but you know it's there but it seems like what i was going to say before yeah, sorry. you interrupted I me i love interrupting you you, you know do that. um before before that i was going to say that the fact that they're phasing in and out of um from solid to transparent almost seems like maybe they're not quite there that this is I'm I'm chalking it up to some kind of either temporal or um, space flux. Like they're they're not in this same mm-hmm. space. They're yeah. in they're occupying different places. Whether that's uh, different timelines or different universes or something. Or just spirit world. Yeah, spirit world and, and between physical two worlds world. here. Yeah. But yeah, I think I think that's kind of what I'm leaning towards is happening here is that we're seeing something and it kind of goes a little bit towards what happens with Mr. C mm-hmm. right before the craziness starts because this isn't even the crazy part no um, so what happens next these 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 woodsmen yeah they they look like they're kind of digging into his body or yeah, something there's yeah. blood being produced um, they're smearing it all over his face it's very ritualistic yeah, it it kind like. of reminded me of the witches in Macbeth, you know, where they, yeah. like, you've got groups of three and they're kind of, one one group is dancing around Ray and the other group is performing some kind of ritual. Um, it just has this very archetypal feeling, even though we've never seen anything like this before, mm-hmm. um, which is maybe why it's so terrifying, because when you type, when you tap into those literary archetypes, that's when you really get, um, it, yeah. it's that primal fear, right? Yeah. And they channel it. And they really do well. very well. Uh, and Ray responds to it. I mean, he has this moaning that is obscured in some yeah, way. Yeah, it's. I think even the subtitles say it's distorted, distorted somehow or something. or something. Yeah, and it's it's interesting. It made me think that uh, yes, his screaming is now being passed through this spirit. It's also time sort. distortions too. Yeah, like there's, a little bit. The, it seems like things slow down when these mm-hmm. guys are here, um, which we see in the rest of the yeah, episode as well. The later plot section, yeah. Um, so the ones that are dancing around Ray kind of he falls back onto the ground and, and like kind of scampers away from them. But the guys that are the woodsmen who are digging at Cooper end up producing what looks like an egg sack yes, or something. Also, yeah. With, with Bob's face Bob's in it. Bob's face in it. So they're uh, removing Bob from Cooper. That's what it feels is what like. what it looks like. Yeah. And they display Cooper's head towards mm-hmm. the camera and ostensibly Ray. And that, that's when you see it. Mm-hmm. And it's like they freeze there in order to display Bob to him. And it's it's so I wonder bizarre. if that's supposed know. to be a, a signal to us that they're separate. That this is Cooper. Look, here's here's the face of Cooper. Here's the face of Bob. Mm. Right? There's, they're distinct. They're mm-hmm. separate. They're not the same. Yeah. And, well, we talked about that in the yeah. previous episode in the prison when he's... You're still with me, right? Right. And here it is now no longer with Donald yes, Cooper. Exactly. You know, he has been removed um, it looks like forcibly. Uh, and, you know, my initial thoughts after this. So, yeah, Ray drives away and that's kind of the <laughs> totally end of the scene. Totally freaked out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it lingers on this this misty darkness yes, the, yeah. for a long time. And you still get like this Lights transparent and, image yeah. of the of the woodsman dancing around. And it's 
it's really it's, it's again it's like not you can't tell what's happening plot wise necessarily but but you know the it's not feeling, good yeah. there's a feeling there yeah mm-hmm. and and plot wise though my initial thought was okay good Doppelkoop's dead Dougie's yes. gonna come back yeah exactly because we were all wondering how long this was going to happen. Yeah, how long was this yeah. going to be dragged out for? And it's yeah. like, no, we're just going to shoot Mr. Well, C. And, and that, that's what gives me so much hope for future episodes, plot-wise, yeah. is that they can move it on a dime. Oh, yeah. Like, you thought, oh, nobody can possibly kill Doppelkoop. He's so badass. Who oh, yeah, Ray could just kill him. Ray just did it in, like, two seconds. Whatever. Like, it was so easy. But there is a sense of, like, I felt a little bit disappointed, too, that it would have been so easy to kill him. Mm. He seems so evil, and then to have him... Like, I don't know. I This is really early... We have no idea what's going to happen later, but but I almost feel like it subverts again my expectation of of the type of evil that Mister C is. That he would be able to be killed by a gun doesn't really seem. He's a man. No, Just I like I know, but but there's something spiritual that is not of this world. It doesn't seem like a gun would have any effect on him. And as we see, it it okay the other the other okay. spirits that we've seen or the other people who have died we we talked about phyllis hastings and there's that glitch when she dies she has to be shot through the eye in order to maybe that's maybe. all presumption okay. on i know but part, i'm just but. saying it just it just felt like it was a little anticlimactic okay in it wasn't sense. for me i thought it was for perfect. every for every everything else that we saw it was yeah fantastic yeah okay but as enough. we see it's not the end of that story so no uh so we get a quick shot of the moon obscured by clouds and then we follow ray and he's <laughs> And he has the funniest phone call with uh, Philip Jeffries, we presume. I'm guessing it's Philip Jeffries. Yes. Um, Philip, it's Ray. Uh, I think he's dead. But he's found some kind of help, so I'm not 100%. And I, I mean, I saw something in Cooper. It's maybe the key to what this is all about. Uh, which I thought was hilarious, just the way he delivered that. <laughs> he's like, he's so not sure, and he has, he's so freaked out by what happened. Um, and and he interestingly does say at the end of the conversation, this I saw something, and I think this may be the key to what this is all about. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, Philip Jeffries is really taking on a prominent role, whoever it is, if it's the Philip Jeffries we saw in Fire Walk With Me, if it's Some a other, doppelganger, someone yeah. else, who knows. The evolution of Philip Jeffries. Yes, yes. We're going to see another brain tree, guys. Yeah. Um, uh, and then plot-wise, he he says, I told Cooper where he's going, so we mentioned the farm earlier. Right, and I think that might be where he's headed to. If we see if we see Ray again, I'm guessing he'll be at the farm. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's weird, though. Like It makes me wonder how, uh, how much Ray and Daria and the people from Beulah's place, how much they knew about what was going on. Because Ray doesn't... He seemed really upset and really phased by what he saw in the woods, but then he's more composed on the road, and it. Oh, I didn't think he was composed he at all. Composed I at thought all? he was super. He was so cool and greaser, like right up until he was shooting Cooper, and and then afterwards he's stuttering and stammering and he's he looks a little sweaty and yeah. stuff. He's he's shaking pretty bad. I would have expected more, like yelling or something, but but still, I, he he seems to know that there's something going on with Mister C. He references that that mm. there that. I don't remember what the exact quote is, but he says it's something. It could explain what maybe the key. I said it all. Maybe yeah. the key to what it's all about. Maybe yeah. the key to what it's all yeah. about. So I think he he suspects something else is going on, or yes. Philip Jeffries has told him. Yes, something, something is that's going got on. his brain going. So, so yeah. um, so it it does really make you wonder what Ray's connection to all the supernatural stuff is, if yes. there is one. If they, yeah, if or if this is his full extent, and we yeah. never see him again. Yeah, could be. Can't doubt it. <laughs> uh, so then we go to the roadhouse. 
Right. And I started panicking. Yeah. And I thought, this is it's not the end of the episode yet. How can you be at the Roadhouse? This uh, is not the end of the episode. But Lindsay, it was the end of the episode. That was, was the, the end, end of Twin of, Peaks. Yes. That's for sure. Because yes. we don't go back there ever again. Well, in this episode. No. And this is, and it's Nine Inch Nails playing. Uh, the Nine Inch Nails, as the internet oh, yes. famously like to parody. Uh, and I didn't care for this sequence at all. Um, the first time I watched it, I was like, ugh. Like, A, it went on, it was basically like a... It was a whole song. It was, it was like a music a, video. Yeah, yeah basically. Yeah. A concert music video. It felt like... Scorsese. Like Scorsese, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like The Last Waltz or something like that, dedicated to a music video. Um, and it was boring. Like, I, I don't really like Nine Inch Nails. I'm prepared to be flamed. Don't worry. <laughs> you guys can hate on me all you want. I mean, I know Trent Reznor is a really great songwriter. and a, Atticus and a, Ross, too. Yeah, I, oh, I love yeah. the music that they do. Their, their ambient stuff is fantastic. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm the same. Like, I've never been much for industrial rock or... Or yeah, whatever metal or what any of any of that yeah. that side. I'm much more into well, classical music, but <laughs> we'll get to my stuff a little yeah, bit later yeah. on. But um, but yeah, she, they're playing the song "She's Gone Away." Yeah, um, and it's you know. Well, it's, it's interesting. You don't like to listen to the lyrics of songs. This is a problem, a sticking point in our relationship. I will find times. a song that I love, and I'm but like, when listen the subtitles to the are on, I will watch, which is how we watch it the second time yes. with subtitles. So I couldn't help but notice. And 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 there is some really interesting parallels. Um, I think Eileen at 25 Years Later is um, uh, probably this week this article will come out. She's she's doing a look at some of the popular music that's being used in um, in Twin Peaks. And she did a, a fairly lengthy analysis of just this sequence. Um, and I think it's important. It it's, it's interesting to look at the lyrics in the context of what we've seen. She's gone away. Um, I can't think of anybody else that if you're going to look at it literally that it it's it's got to be about Laura. Yeah, of course, yeah. Or it could be nothing. But, it could be nothing. Still, yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, it was it was a weird sequence to see the entire song being played before yeah. and 5 minutes of it. Yeah. Um, and especially I mean at that point you're still not sure like are we going to follow the plot? I mean yeah. you've had this supernatural element happen but other supernatural things have come and gone. Oh sure. Well, you know, all the time in Twin Peaks. So this, but we then sure. what? What I also thought, I was like, okay, so here's five minutes, and we've got five minutes of of Nine Inch Nails playing. Okay, so how many more five minute segments <laughs> are potentially left in forty five minutes? Okay, so there's nine minutes or nine, nine segments. segments. Okay, so a lot can happen. There's a lot. Like I'm trying to rationalize this with myself as you're like, watching, as I'm watching it it's the funny. first time, and then. Well, the screen goes black. Yes, and, and we, go, we go back to the woods. Back to the woods, and Cooper sits up. Yeah. And that's kind of it. He's he's covered in dirt and blood. And yeah. He looks really messy, like he's been messed up. But he still has the dark eyes. Yes. It still so feels like So initially you, you said, oh, it's, it's Well, yeah, because I was like, out. yes, it happened. Yeah. Doppelkoop's dead. Cooper's been transposed, transported back to his own body. Yeah. Um, but no. No, this still... No, I think it's still... I mean, it's too early to tell. He just... He literally, it's like half a second he's looking around. And that's it. But it, it would be... Okay, so if it is Dougie that's been gotten rid of and that's the end of his storyline mm-hmm. um if cooper's back in his body what what this would be a great way to do it yeah to just like don't explain it just have him wake up one day and then he's back yeah um i mean the biggest question of what's happening to dougie when he does he just disappear now or? well and and i mean we could get into the theories that all of that was happening inside mr c's head, head anyways, anyway right yeah, that's true. but i think it's much more interesting if we're going to see now the doppelganger without Bob. Yes, and what that looks what like. What is that going to look like? Yeah. Because it's Bob's appetites and Bob's um, 
there, there's a lot of Bob that's come through in the last little while, mm-hmm. um, especially in the conversations about what was revealed or, or hinted at last week with Diane, potentially. That seems like a very Bob thing to do. Mm-hmm. It doesn't seem like a doppelganger thing. To, we don't know anything maybe, about the doppelgangers maybe, yeah, either. Exactly. So. Well, separately. Like, yes. And that's the thing. Like, we've only seen doppelganger with Bob up to this point. So now that maybe we know we'll get of. a different... Yeah. And that's the thing. So yeah. if, if Bob has been removed and there is no Bob anymore, what is the doppelganger going to do? What does that look like? Yeah, I mean, we've talked about this in the past and that it feels like Bob was just along for the ride with mm-hmm. Cooper because he didn't need to influence him in any mm-hmm. bad way because Cooper was already a bad dude. So I guess we'll get that confirmed. Yeah. Potentially. Or not. Or not. The other thing that uh, some people have been talking about is that maybe this is, if if it tracks and there's more than one universe, that maybe this is Doppelcoop in another universe. But that starts getting messy and I don't want to think about it. I don't have the brain space. <laughs> yeah. and My until brain is still mostly <laughs> melted from yesterday's episode. So. True. And until we get more episodes to see where they take this yeah, from here. Yeah, exactly. We, it's, it's really premature to get into anything. Um, and, but we did wonder, like, did they perhaps physically save Cooper as well? Like when they were pulling out Bob as an egg sack from Cooper's belly, did they also remove the bullets and heal his organs perhaps and actually right. save Cooper at the same time? I mean, the role of these guys is so confusing at this point. I mean, it sounds like perhaps they're the ones who work for Bob or are connected to mm-hmm. Bob and therefore Mike above the convenience store. Um, but, you know, there were other figures in the above the convenience store thing from Firewalk with me. You right. Know, the the Trumons were there. Yeah. Or the grandmother and the grandson. Yeah. Um, um, Mike was there. Mike was there. Well, yeah. Him yeah. and Bob, yeah. Yeah, the jumping man. Yeah, yeah. There's all these um, other figures. So we don't know... Whether that's all the spirits, like, well, we'll get into what happens next and how we think that might influence things. So (laughs) what the hell happens next? Well, we go to the first nuclear explosion ever set off by mankind, Mm -hmm. uh, July 16th, 1945, Project Trinity or Trinity, uh, the first atomic bomb blast in White Sands, New Mexico. Uh, at 529 MWT. And then we Which get I think is, is, is mountain time. Mountain, yeah, just mountain it's, time. I don't know what the W stands yeah. for. It might have been a precursor yeah, to mountain, standard time, standard time mountain yeah. daylight time. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so we get the countdown from 10 and then... The explosion goes The explosion off. and then we get immediately the music. It's a sonic explosion too. It's, yes, it it's, is. Um, Threnody to the Victims of Hiroshima by Krzysztof Penderecki, the Polish composer that... Um, I mean, you've heard you've his music heard many yes. many other places. It was used in uh, 2001. Yeah, The Shining. It was used in The Shining. Um, it, it's, I think it's David Lynch has used it in other places too, but he's yes. certainly influenced by this kind of Polish composers in general. He's very interested in Polish. Mm-hmm. Like He's worked with a lot of Polish composers yeah. and Inland Empire. Inland I mean, Empire had a... F- yeah. yeah. Um, but specifically this kind of dissonant music, it's not... It, it it would it's not melodic music it's it sounds yeah well it's, yeah but there there are moments where it, it comes and yeah. goes it, it is a, it's a very unique piece and once you yeah. hear it you're like yes this is this is a sonic explosion yes, absolutely exactly um and we didn't time how long this sequence takes but it's it's a long period where we we see this explosion that the nuclear explosion it's all in black and white and the the camera kind of zooms in um, over this white sands yeah desert. into the explosion into the mushroom cloud. right into the mushroom cloud and it's it's cgi um and some of it might be matte painting i'm sure that there's elements of that too that, yeah, that could would be, be included i mean this is the sequence that presumably david lynch went off 
to yeah. deal with for a month. Like yeah, left which we talked to, or we didn't talk about it, but on online they were yeah. talking about it right before the episode aired, saying like there was a secret mystery and David Lynch was off doing his own thing for yeah. a while, and everyone was curious as to what was happening. So he had to spill the beans to somebody, I think some of the cast or something like that, just to quiet them from being too nosy uh, about nosy it. About it. Yeah. And this is it. And mm-hmm. you can see why. Yeah. Yeah. Because this is, it's so detailed and just visually arresting just in, just in this first shot, you know, just zooming into oh, yeah. the mushroom cloud. Yeah. Uh, you, you get the, the fine details of the explosion expanding the gas, the, the, the ground, the shock weight, yeah. yeah, all this stuff. Um, I thought it was interesting that um, this shot really, I was expecting the camera to move through that shockwave and shake or something. Like, I don't, I don't know, maybe I've been to too many IMAX 3D movies or, you know, that with the, the D-box seats and everything that I was expecting that kind yeah. of, you know, fourth dimension, that, yeah. that breaking of yeah. the wall. But the fact that it didn't made this strangely objective in a sense like we were objective observers kind of floating in from outside we we were not, we're not actually affected there. by the force no we aren't there we aren't being this is not an explosion that is happening for us it's happening in front of us we're seeing it but but we're kind of like the giant that we see later on um we're just watching it we're we're objective observers i thought that was really interesting considering that literally everything else we've seen so far in in the return has been designed to kind of elicit a subjective mm-hmm. response from us yeah, we, and here's something that is this is the I mean the first nuclear bomb going off how many of those Manhattan Project scientists regretted it instantly mm-hmm. I mean what's the quote from Oppenheimer I am become death the destroyer of worlds yeah like I mean yeah. it's it's such a horrific moment in human history and, and it's like what a month less than a month away from the dropping yeah, of the bomb it, yeah. in, in yeah. Hiroshima and Nagasaki right yeah. so um we're coming up on one of the most horrific moments that human hum, humanity has ever accomplished. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of talk about this online, especially to today saying, you know, like this is Lynch has moved from, you know, small town. Yeah. Uh, the, the darkness that lays underneath small town America to the, the nation of America. Oh, you know? and the, and the darkness in humanity. Exactly. I think, I think yeah. this has now moved into, and it moves even further into like, cosmic battles between good and evil that we see but it starts here and it starts with the splitting of an atom and and how powerful that moment is with i mean releasing all of this evil i think that's that's where it's as close to a political statement as we've seen yeah. i think so far well, it, aside yeah. from janie e giving her very impassioned yeah. word 99 percenters yeah, yeah this is this is um yeah, this such is a, a powerful political statement about the state of of American the well, it's not just machine. A, yeah, it's not it's industrial not, machine. Not What's it called? The current yeah, the military industrial military complex. industrial. It's not. Complex. I don't. I don't see that so much as as uh, America's history. You know, America killed all the, the Aboriginals. Yeah, and Canada too, for the most part. Um, came in and built cities on their on their uh, graveyards. Slavery is a slavery. A yeah, horrible there's 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 all these mark marks on America's history and. Uh, and the atomic weapon is is probably is definitely the most powerful one. Just literally, it's it's literally yeah. the the creation of something that can destroy the world. Yeah. And you know, America has that stain on it forever. And yeah. yes, now he, they've made it physical. They've made it real in the terms of these spirituals, the spiritual mm-hmm. entities, neither of which are real or physical. But 
they, you know, they're they're the symbol, and yeah. it's and it's it's brazen and upfront, and it's a they, little literal. It's it's a bit literal. I mean, but, if you but, want to look at it, but yeah, but I mean, why not? I mean, sure. it's it's if yeah, you're absolutely. if you're gonna do it, mm-hmm. you know, having something that is you know the source of Twin Peaks, you know, this evil that men do, yeah, has been Bob the whole time. Here it is made manifest, and here it is saying you have, we have to take responsibility and do something about this. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's really powerful, and I I, I loved it. Um, oh yeah, as we were watching it. Uh, well, at this point we didn't we weren't quite sure what was going on. We were just saw the explosion. Yeah, but then we follow we go into the explosion. I think we think we think <laughs> it's very strange because it it becomes we, sorry before we get to that yeah. before we go into the explosion. Uh, the other explosion picture. Which is on behind Gordon Cole's desk. Oh yes, right. Uh, it is where we've seen this before. It's just it's, worth noting. It's not the same. That explosion yes, that is a picture a of one. the Mount Hood yes. um, explosion in 1957. I think that's and that was the H-bomb. that's our Waldo on Twitter um, has sourced that okay. image. Um, but but still, the fact that we've got a nuclear explosion. Um, we saw the corn on the wall last time, mm-hmm. and previously we saw Kafka, yeah. a portrait of Kafka on the wall. Yeah. Um, Kafka was also on um, Bill. H- There's a portrait of Kafka and Kafka in Bill Hastings. Yes, yes, there room was as well. Too. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, um, the fact that later on, one of the, the the body horror moments that comes at the end of this mm-hmm. episode um, features a a, a metaf- metamorphosis like bug creature. Yep. I think that could yep. very easily be. So I think we've been we these clues have been dropped at our feet yeah. from the beginning, and now we're getting to the point where we can start maybe start putting these together. Well, and and. Theoretically, this is the origin of the Blue Rose cases, right? Right. Potentially. I mean, there's been... And, and we can get into the secret history of Twin Peaks and, and how uh, that maybe doesn't contradict, but it adds some extra elements to uh, this theory that's being shown in this episode. Um, but yeah, ostensibly, this is the Blue Rose that, you know, uh, Major Briggs's head is talking about when when the he saw... The explosion is? Well, yeah. I mean, this is the, this is mm. the origin of... The Black Lodges. Well, the, let's the get to let's let's, yeah, let's explain what's continue. going on before we get well, to because we can once you get to the end, then you can start yeah. really talking about it. But, sure. So, so yeah. yeah, we think we go into this this mushroom cloud, and it it certainly does. That's where the camera goes. But then at that point, you lose all bearing. There's nothing to ground you in anything. Yeah, just a series of visual expressions with the music. There's there's colors, the colors and, and there's. Fire, it looks like. It's just chaos. And Black water and white. And the bubbles and, yes. yeah, and things that kind of look like nebulas, nebulaic uh, yeah. colors and explosions. That Previously, everything was in black and white, and yeah. here we get all these flashes of color. Yeah. Um, it's it's literally it's a cataclysm. It's yeah. just a, um, a yeah. visual cacophony to match the yeah. oral sonic cacophony that we have. Yeah, and, um, and I'd seen people describe it as like, them, some people thought, oh, we're going into hell or we're going right. to back to the start of the universe. or, um, But I think I think really what this sequence, especially all the colors and the, the weird bubbles and the mm-hmm. fires and everything, um, I think this is building a visual language for traversing between the realms. I think Fire Walk With Me, when it's been used in the past, has always featured an explosion, yeah. especially when you're in the, red lo- or the waiting room or uh, the lodges. And here we get a lot of that. And I feel mm-hmm. like Fire Walk With Me is uh, the chant that goes out between two worlds. Mm. And uh, so we've always we've had this kind of clue that this that phrase is something that can go between the gaps. And now Lynch has expanded on this into this section where you see all the different ways um, that we can travel between them. And we already saw one with Cooper when he was falling right. after episode 
two and three. Which we we still don't know where he goes, but it it is between two different places, so yes. you can call it between two worlds if you sure. want to, you know, reduce it to that. Mm-hmm. But I think beyond that, yes, we're seeing travel traveling between two worlds. But I think a lot of people have have thought this as well that this is the the fabric of reality is being torn between mm-hmm. these two places yeah. that there's a wall between us and them yeah. and this this nuclear explosion is what causes this wall to be rent yeah. and or dissolves it or something because oh, yeah, absolutely. because when we come out the other end uh well sort yeah. of <laughs> We're, we're, we see a convenience store, and, yeah. it, and it, it says, says convenience, convenience store, store right on it. And, uh, and of course, this is the mythological convenience store that, mm. that Philip Gerard was talking about and that was in the, the original Yeah, the international pilots. And, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, and I initially thought it was someplace that was within the blast radius or something. It kind of looks like it Yeah, it feels like it could be, yeah. But, like, the lights are on, and, and it just, it's, just looks like an abandoned Yeah, but it feels like it's store. New Mexico. Oh Probably yeah, like yeah, it's yeah. it feels close by, yeah. and we see you know clouds of smoke start coming out of the door, and and we see tons of woodsmen, dozens of woodsmen walking all around, and, and we get that same stuttering, stuttering, yeah, just like with Nido in, in the, the purple, purple world, yeah, yeah. So, um, so again, it's like this this idea that when these people are nearby, and. Correct me if I'm wrong. Is there that electrical sound? Do we get that sound, or is it still just? It's mostly just the stuttering. There, there. Yeah, I don't remember because okay. there's the music, and then when the woodsmen appear, the, the music dies. Yeah, and that's when we just get the stuttering, staticky sound, which is again similar to kind of what Nido, uh, kind of even when she's talking, kind of had that sound, and it's also kind of eerily close to uh, the speaker sound from the very first scene of the part one. Sort of. Sort of. I mean, that's a stretch. That's, yeah, probably, but. Uh, but it's, it is it's this, that it's yeah. yeah. So there's there's no continuity in time. It's like you go back and forth and back and forth, yeah. and it's visually it's so arresting to watch this, um, just to see how this was put together. And I was imagining the actors who were you know okay, what's your direction? Just walk across just walk the around. camera, walk, yeah. and then and come they back cut and, it out. Just and then yeah, they way. cut it into this this thing. I I can't even I don't even have the words. No, there's to describe there's it. no way to describe it. It's um, supernatural for sure. It's it's phenomenal and. Yeah. This is what the director of photography was talking about yes. the day before the, yes. the episode. Yes, unlike anything. You've ever seen. And yeah, yeah, it's true. Peter Deming, you were correct. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, And then it seems like we zoom into the window almost. Yeah, maybe go in. Some people have said, store. I didn't notice because I kind of was watching this through my eyes. I didn't want to go into the convenience store. <laughs> yeah, you were so scared. And I'm like, no, I want to go in. Let's find out what's going on right now. <laughs> but some people have said that you can see cans on the shelf. Oh, okay. And they they're speculating that this is the the Garmin Bosia. This mm. is these are the canned corn canned. These are the cans of cream corn that yeah. maybe Bob stole from Mike from the convenience store. Yeah. It's interesting that there is no above the convenience store. It doesn't have a second level. But well, yeah, yeah, physically that we physically, can see, right? Exactly. But that, that's probably the spiritual but, place. And that that could be related to the idea of descending from mm-hmm. pure air. Yeah. Um, and we get some more talk about descending or ascending at the end yes, of this okay. episode too. So, but just to tie, yeah. It. So, and just to clarify, this is because the two are connected. We saw the explosion. We see them, and it seems like the gas pours out of the convenience store, mm-hmm. and then the woodsmen appear. So mm-hmm. the thinking is a straight tie, and the explosion created the space that the gas, and therefore the woodsmen, yeah. would come out into the world. In. Right, and that's that's kind of where we're where we're working coming from, yeah. I think. I think that's the working theory for most people. It's not, I think some people are, are suspecting that this is the birth of the Black Lodges themselves. I'm not entirely sure that that's no, the I, case. No, I do get the idea that we're, with the 
the barrier between the worlds is broken right. by the explosion. Yes, so this was already something that existed. And, and now it's entering the human yeah. world. And again, this is something we, we haven't talked about much. I think I've tried talking about it in a couple episodes and I can't articulate it very well. I'll try again here. Uh, that the other worlds, we see them as woodsmen and a red room with curtains and, you know, maybe an alien-looking thing in the, in the glass box. But that could just be our meager sensory ability to interpret them. Like yeah. They, that might not physically be what they're like. Yeah. I think physically what they might be like is perhaps something like what we see next. Which is um, the experiment. The experiment. This is what she's, what this, um, this character who appeared in the glass box in part two, she's credited now as experiment. A lot of people have been calling her mother. I think that still holds out because of what we see in this scene. Because the experiment is kind of floating in the air and it looks like something comes out of where her mouth would be. Mm -hmm. I assumed it was vomit. Some people have said it could be some kind of ejaculate. It seems like there's eggs in it. Um, She expels it anyway. It's a stream of gunk. Um, She looks very strikingly similar to the sperm that you see in Eraserhead. The sperm that falls on the stage? No, from the opening. Hmm. Not really. No. It's like it's like the head and the body, and then there's a head and the body, and then mm, it's just really. an updated version of that. No, that one has arms, and the head is humanoid as opposed to the baby, which is just a sperm. Okay, it's not the baby. It, that's basically what the baby winds up looking like. Anyways. It says the guy who's seen it once. Yeah, and through friggin' fingers. because Yes, yeah, so, so you have no idea what you're talking I know exactly about. what I'm talking about. Anyways, anyway. uh, yeah, so she vomits out this this chain of everything, we call it, because we're like, yeah, this is the creation of the universe, for sure. Whatever <laughs> it is, we don't know. I don't think it's a creation of the universe. <laughs> of course not. It's the creation we were... of the evil, I think. Maybe. Or the creation because of... Because we see in this vomit stream, one of the eggs is has Bob's face in it. It looks just like the thing that they pulled out of Cooper's body, in Mr. It, C's body. I would challenge you saying it's not an egg. There, there are many eggs in there, but the, yeah. the thing that has Bob in it is black, and it's 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 different. It looks like a rock or something like well, that. Well, yes, and and it is different. I wonder if this is just a visual clue to us. Like you just said, that we just see the woodsman because that's what we're able to see. Mm-hmm. That this is this is what we're able. This is how we interpret the evil that Bob is. Is we mm-hmm. see him in this way, but that he is just like all the other eggs. We just see him visually represented differently, so we know yeah. that it's him. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. I don't know. No, but either funny. way, it's yeah. um, this stream of whatever is is spit out. and um, So we go into the, the stream and you go into the fire tunnel. Well, we go into the stream and then we cut to the fire tunnel. Yeah, it's like a cut. That's true. It's like yeah. a, a fast it, cut. Yeah. And then we see come out of this tunnel this like molten gold orb. It's yeah. it's But it's molten. It's not the, the sphere so that we've yeah, seen. Yeah, of either Dougie or... Well, anything, yeah, that's it so far, I guess. Right. Yeah. And so it made me think, so we, we just saw a sphere that had, it was black, that had Bob, Bob in it. it. Now we see the molten version of the gold sphere that we've seen come out of Dougie. Um, so is there some connection here? Are we, are we, are we meant to understand this as being the birth of Bob and then the birth of Something what? Else? Something else? Yeah, the anti-Bob maybe? So from there we go into the blob. Yeah, I, perhaps again. <laughs> perhaps um, it seems like we do, and then it and then it appears to be like a bloodstream. Like, yeah, the interior of a bloodstream, like there's red blood cells or something yeah. flowing. It seems no like whites. a life force. Yeah, of some sort. Yeah, 
and it turns into the purple world. Yes. Um, the ocean. See the we ocean, and then we're zooming across the ocean towards uh, uh, the. It's, like a, it's a mountain, the, yeah, an island mountain with a castle or some sort of fortress on top of it. So we thought um, it was the same one that Cooper dropped into. It could yeah, be. It may yeah, not be. It looks like there were maybe ledges that could have been the places where Cooper dropped. I in, don't think it's the same. Place, I don't think so. Well, I think we it's the zoom, same world. I don't it's think it's the, the same. Purple. Of course, it's the same world, but it's yeah. not the same building. I think in a place like that, an individual building doesn't matter because no, it's all okay, supernatural but, and but I'm just, surreal anyways. But yeah, yeah, no, I, I know what you're saying. Yes, we're probably not in the exact same place we were before. So we zoom up onto this tower and we go right into a window that a lot of people have said looks very much like the monolith from 2001. And all of a sudden we're inside the same black and white room Yes, and that Cooper was in at the very beginning with the giant. Yes, and we go in there... Uh, through the one window. And I just thought that was interesting because just like New York, there was just one window yes. in this building that had the the um, glass box on the other side of it. So again, just something to keep in mind. Perhaps this is a literal gateway just like the other one is too. Um, but yeah, we're in this, what do you want to call it's, it? It's, it's, I don't know. It's the, I call it the black and white world. Okay. <laughs> it's where the giant and uh, Senorita and Dido live. And it's very beautifully decorated in Art Nouveau style. Yes, very 20s, um, 30s. Yeah. All black and white. There's the gramophone player that we see. And it's playing some ominous yeah, air. 1930s era appropriate music. Yeah. Um, so we kind of, we, we see Senorita Dido. She's sitting on the couch. She's dressed very glamorously. And there's this metallic clanking that starts. And well, she looks very worried. Yeah, well, it's, again, it's coming from that, that, that bell-shaped bell, bell thing, yeah. thing again, just like there was with uh, Nido. Uh, there's another one of these, and yeah, it's making this clanging sound, and that's when the... The giant appears. Well, let's call him the giant. Yeah, because seven, seven question marks. Seven Q, that doesn't have no. the same ring as the giant. So no. the giant comes in, he kind of looks at her, then he comes up, and he looks past the camera, it feels like. And again, I have no idea if that's important or not, but it, it feels like he's he's searching for something. I, I feel like maybe he's searching for the cause of the alarm because I, I assume that's what this becomes. Well, and then he goes up to the to the belly, kind of looks at it and turns it off. He yeah. pushes a button and turns it off. So it seems like it was an alarm that alerted him to something because he leaves mm-hmm. and goes into uh, it, it. We thought this looked like their home. This mm-hmm. was the home that the giant was talking about. Yeah. He walks up this grand staircase. It was actually filmed at the same movie theater. It appears to be filmed at the same movie theater. I'm like 99% sure it was. Filmed at the same movie theater that Mulholland Drive Club Silencio was filmed at. Yeah. Filmed at. Um, but the giant walks up the staircase and into the cavernous movie theater space. Mm-hmm. And it's like he tunes into... It's almost like a security camera or something. Yeah. So he, yeah. he stands up on stage and he sees what we've just seen with the nuclear explosion, um, the, the mother the experiment figure vomiting up stuff. Bob, and the camera freezes on Bob. And at that point, the giant yeah. becomes... I, well, he levitates. He, yeah, he, he levitates. He goes into a, a trance-like state yeah. and he's going to do something about mm-hmm. it, basically. And the, this sequence is just beautifully shot. Mm-hmm. Um, beautifully let, scored. Let, yeah, let's finish talking about what happens and we can talk about sure. our interpretation of it and everything. But yeah, uh, Dido then approaches. Yes. Uh, there's a spotlight on her and she she walks up um, and then she looks up at him. And he's at this point kind of horizontal, floating in the air horizontally. And then from out of his head, a golden shoot of stars or stardust or magic stuff, something. It's, uh, a, it's like it's a cloud of it looks like stardust, I would mm-hmm. call it. And then it it's indistinct at first, but it forms like channels or paths or something. It, yeah. it takes on some kind of a shape and and then eventually 
becomes a, a gold ball comes out Emerges of it. Out of it. And floats down to Dido and she, she grabs she it. Grabs it, holds it. And she looks into it and what is there inside of it? It's Laura's face. Laura's face. The face of Laura Palmer. And Dido seems like and I, it was hard to read her expression, but it almost seemed like she was sad and also relieved at the same time. Like, this is yeah. not something that I think they wanted to have to do, but it's something that she accepts has to be done. Yes. And and what is that thing? I think they're birthing Laura, Laura to I think go to Earth to battle to, Bob. Yeah, or well, to, to battle, yeah, battle Bob and the evil that men do. Possibly. Possibly. Which is, I'm going to say, a little upsetting to me. Because it does make it feel like this is something Laura could never have have avoided. Her fate could never have been avoided. She becomes... Um, uh, okay, this is way too early to get okay. into that, I think. But but we'll absolutely. No, but let's, 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 let's discuss about it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, Dido then kisses the, the ball, the orb, throws it up, and it gets sucked into this kind of like horn instrument kind of it's looking just, thing. I think it's just a machine. machine Everybody yeah. says it looks like a horn. I think it's just the arm of a machine. Yeah, I'm okay. not sure. That's fine. And I love that that this is the the um, the tagline for the Festival of Disruption, which we've talked about on the podcast before, was infuse the machine with gold. And that's exactly what Dido does. Yeah. She infuses this machine with Laura's golden orb that came from the giant's head. And then the machine starts turning and spits the ball towards the screen. It punctures through the screen and then and goes, goes to towards Earth. Earth. And it starts off black and white when it first punctures, and then when you cut back to it again, it's gold again. And I just thought that was... I oh, is no it? I thought it was, it was gold, important. and then when it went into the screen, it was black and it white. It does. It goes into black and white, and then it looks back at Dido, and then when you look back oh. at the screen again, it's gold again on the screen. So it's, it's just interesting. And then, yeah, we get this last final shot of the whole theater... And it's just cavernous, and the giant's still floating there, and Dido's looking at the screen with this machine overhead. And it's just beautiful. Mm-hmm. So yeah, let's talk about this scene, because... Briefly. Briefly. Um, so, again, this was the one I was talking about earlier. Very German expressionism. Um, like, we aren't huge film buffs. We're not cinema nerds, or we didn't get a degree in film studies or anything like that. But we've watched a few. You know, this is uh, very Fritz Lang feels like you said it reminded you of metropolis which i i see a lot of I'm, maybe it's just because it's in black and white and i'm well no but i i feel like the the way um characters move and the way the spotlight was shown uh on it you know there's there's no panning shots or anything like that it's a still camera you know you were limited by the technology of the day they didn't have uh steady cams or anything right so you had set cameras and you had the characters do the do the work of motion on screen and that's what happened here um, and the music. The music is so powerful. So we went from having this like atonal, um, crashing cacophony, like I said, of... of The explosion. This explosion, the threnody to the victims of Hiroshima, to this beautifully melodic... I'm, it's it's Badalamenti, a new piece by Badalamenti. Um, it's not credited. We didn't see it in the in the credits, but no, it sounds so much like yes. like his that it's hard to imagine it's not. Well, um, and it sounds almost identical to not maybe not identical, but thematically and feeling wise, it evokes the same thing as the end of Firewalk. Right, and it also had had similar. Um, I had a similar feeling watching. It has a similar feeling to some of the music from Mulholland Drive as well. So it has that mm-hmm. that Badalamenti touch. It's so coming from this this noise symphony yeah. that we had to this. Well, there's still some dissonance and everything. It's it was so beautiful, and when some of those chords hit, it's like I don't know if you felt it, but I felt it in my heart. Oh, like yeah. it, it it's like a pull that went right through the center of me. And then to get the the idea that Laura is 
the savior. You know, like the the, the overtones are not subtle here. You know, the giant is God. And okay, he's, he's that's a very very <laughs> Judeo Christian absolutely and yes version yeah, of yes. David Lynch coming well from the guy whose mother is Catholic. I would not expect any differently. But I'm just saying it's pretty blatant. Okay, so yes, it, whether is, or not it's a god, god or, yeah, or he's some sort of supernatural sure. figure, which we already knew. Um, but the idea that he is perhaps. Maybe and maybe it's not Laura. Maybe again, what we're seeing is Laura because we know that that's what it's going to be. But he's sending something down to Earth to combat this evil, right? Um, and and it's part of him. It's like yeah, exactly. I don't know if he's necessarily the God figure or if he's the just a channel or something. Well, no, or if if he's the you know to stick with the the Christian imagery, you mm-hmm. know, the Jesus figure, right? He's the one who's sacrificing part of himself in order to mm-hmm. battle this evil yeah. um, I'm it, not sure that that's necessarily the right analogy for this but no no but I think it's 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 definitely a way you can interpret it and and just it added, either, it okay. added a new layer of of emotional wreckage to the story that is Laura I mean it, it, again it comes back to that final scene in fire walk with me um, fire walk with me uh, not well not just the final scene where she's crying in front of the TV slash angel mm-hmm. but her death you know her her choice to oh, to say no to Bob mm-hmm. say no to evil and and act like this this great figure that you know causes the town of Twin Peaks to break in half and causes importantly I think Cooper to arrive on the scene and and confront Bob finally well and this is this is what um, uh, I was talking to John Bernardi today about this a little bit um, that if Laura was manufactured for this sole purpose it does it leaves a bit of a sour taste in my mouth because it takes away some of the agency that we've seen her have and that we wanted her to have by the end of Fire Walk With Me where she makes that choice. If this was always going to happen and if this was always fated, she was always going to die at Bob's hands because she was sent to Earth to do that, what's the point? It, it feels very dark and depressing. Well, that, that, okay, yeah, and, and but, for sure. But it's not... I think what we see later on in the final scene if you interpret it in a certain way it could be that Laura is birthed from both the gold orb and there's darkness maybe in her too and maybe that's the point is that she does have a choice in the end oh yeah um and we just don't know you can't say that because you don't know well yeah okay no I totally agree I think you're right if if you interpret it that way that that Laura was a vessel of fate, basically, to be killed and therefore somehow defeat evil. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, yeah, that would be kind of depressing. But I, I don't think that negates the experiences that we saw in Firewalk with me and in her secret diary and stuff. Like, th- this is still the real experiences of a person who lived right. through them. The fact that she had some sort of supernatural power. I mean, maybe the, the supernatural element of her is not that uh, she had to die it's that she continues to live afterwards I mean her whole thing of I'm dead yet I live she pulls off her face and there's a light inside of her mm-hmm. you know I feel like yeah, maybe no, that's the important part it's not so much that she's dead it's that she can continue to offer something to Cooper and to other people who are now battling evil well and we know that Leland in the, the Red Room in part 2 said to find Laura so I I, I don't think we've seen the last of Laura no, Palmer yeah, yeah. And, and whether there's going to be some kind of doppel version of her that is out there now or you know, we've seen her manufactured once. Can she be manufactured again? I mean, are, we've we literally have no idea. But it just it made me sad to watch it, thinking that all that pain and all that suffering was unavoidable. Mm-hmm. Because you always want to imagine 
or at least I do, I want to imagine that there's a way for Laura to be saved. Mm -hmm. And I, I saw that at the end of Firewalk with me. Seeing this, seeing her origin, potentially her, her origin myth yeah. start, kind of, it was it was a little devastating. Okay. But still very beautiful. Like, I, I, a lot of people have said that they cried openly yeah. when they I saw Laura's to. face was, in yeah. the gold ball and coupled with the music. I think it's just a very powerful scene. It's way more origin than I think we ever expected we were yeah, going to get. Yeah, for sure. Um, we always knew Laura was the one, but, you know, seeing her created as the one that's going to battle Bob. Well, is, and then on top of that, seeing Bob being created as, mm-hmm. as the... And then and then there's, you know, some theories that are um, saying that this experiment and the giant, if this is the mother and the giant is on the, the side of good and she's on the side of evil, that maybe they're related somehow. They could both be... You know, brother and sister, yeah. in which case her spawn is Bob and his spawn is Laura and, and then they're cousins. So it brings so me back Mike, to the yeah. to the dream sequence that Cooper has in, in episode two. Um, uh, that anyway, that would be perfect. There, there's yeah. just a lot of crazy stuff that's been going on online, but it, it's still it, it really made us think. But it also made us feel very, mm-hmm. very intensely. Oh, and that's so much. more than you can ask for from most TV this yeah. these days. But in, in such a, with no words, no dialogue, nothing. It's just, it is a visual and audio mm-hmm. thing and it's just, it's incredible. So we jump ahead 11 years. To, to August 5th. August 5th, 1956. We uh, see an egg hatch. I'm yes. calling it an egg because, well, it's an egg. Yeah, it looks like a an rock. An egg hatches. But yeah, it's an egg. And this. This thing comes out. It's like a cricket. Frog. With frog legs and the wings of a cockroach. So we called it a fricket. <laughs> I've seen it called the frog roach. Yeah, yeah. Um, I prefer fricket. But it it uh, crawls out and crawls across the sand. And escapes. And escapes. Um, August 5th, 11 years after Hiroshima. I thought it was August 6th. Oh, okay. But so depending right on where you are in the time zone. Yeah, it might have been August 6th in Japan. Or but, 5th year. I don't know. Anyways, just yeah, it might be worth mentioning. Um... So yes, elsewhere we see two kids walking past a different gas station. Mm-hmm. They're talking about a song that they heard on the radio. The girl out of, of the two of them picks up a penny and it's heads up. And she says that'll be good luck. Good yeah. luck. Yeah. We've seen lots of pennies and coins, um, heads and tails. Red was talking about that. Mm-hmm. Um, Hawk with his Indian head nickel. Mm-hmm. So noteworthy. Check. Yep. Um, we see the woodsman figure up here in the desert a couple of them and they kind of zombie walk toward the town you said that they look like they parachuted in well the one guy he, his arms are just out like he's yeah. holding on to parachute ropes like a world war ii vet or something like that and then he lands and he starts walking it was just weird it was really cool but they they walk towards town and and uh on the way we get a, a shot of a man and a woman driving in a car and they they're stopped by the woodsman figures crossing the highway and uh as they approach the car we get that same crackling electricity sound sound. and time starts to dilate again and one of the men comes up to the window and asks the guy 
His wife freaks out and they drive away, narrowly missing hitting the other woodsmen. But again, they they seem paralyzed and frozen yes. initially. And it, I don't, well, it's, it's all in slow motion too, right? Well, so, is it? No, he's the guy's like got a light, got a light, and it's is, normal. But they aren't. Well, I don't feel like they're in slow motion. I feel like they're paralyzed by fear and you didn't and see her face. You didn't see the way she was in yeah. slow motion the no, entire time. No, I think that's just how they react no, physically. No, it was slow motion. Okay, all right, we can agree to disagree. Um, but anyways, yeah, uh, they swerve away, continue down the road. So the kids are yeah. still walking, and there is some discussion about uh, this boy not going with Mary anymore, and it's it's a very innocent conversation this that is, these two American yeah. kids are having. It's In the, this 1950s. Is the <laughs> idyllic 1950s David Lynch, yeah. um, this idealized version of the past that that he's always chasing. Yes, and I, I thought it was an interesting comparison to Tracy and Sam, the modern 2017 right. kids mm. who are, you know, just have sex right away. Right, here are these, I mean, these are yeah. young kids. I would imagine yeah. that these kids, that girl doesn't look much older than 13, than 14, maybe. Yeah, maybe and uh, and he's about the same age, yeah. so they're fairly young. They're young, for sure. And it's just interesting to me that they were following the electrical wires home. Yes, of course, of yeah. Of course they were. But they're um, out in the country. He doesn't live anywhere near there, but he's walking her home. And she says, I just knew that, which, you know, right away... She knows she's some sort of supernatural because she 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 wouldn't ask a question that she didn't know, you know, like. Well, but it's also flirtatious conversation. For sure, but he's like, "How did you know that?" And she says, "I just, you know, like I feel like there's not that's not a mistake." Or, or that's not she a, an knew accident. and was just Plain making coy. conversation. Sure, sure. But anyway, uh, he drops her off at home and asks to kiss her, and she lets him. And there's it's a really cute little scene. Just it's these cute. two Twitter pated kids. Yeah. Um. And then she goes inside, and we cut to the desert again. The woodsman is walking towards a radio station. Yeah. And And we go there, and there's a song, The Platter's My Prayer. Yes. Playing. I love that the the lyrics, I mean, we didn't notice it the first time, but when we had the subtitles on, the lyrics are, you know, like, when the twilight is gone and no songbirds are singing, it's like the opposite of the place that the the little man was Mm -hmm. talking about in the dream. There's no music in the air. The songbirds are gone. And and it's right before this, I mean, it's a a 50s doo-wop kind of song. Yeah. But so it it's not a, it's not an uh, it's an not ominous an ominous all. song at all. But here's this blackened woodsman figure walking into this. You know, some shit's gonna go down, yeah. and it does because he meets the receptionist. Doesn't have a chance to say anything to her. She doesn't, or he asks her for. Yeah, he's got a light, and then she's paralyzed again. Yeah, and then he crushes her skull. basically. Yeah. in slow motion. Yeah, and then. Okay. <laughs> you need to watch the episode again, man. Okay. Seriously. Sure. Um, and then, yeah, then he moves towards the recording booth yeah. uh, where uh, the MC is. The, the DJ. DJ is playing the, the stuff. Um, but we get we get some intercut shots of mm-hmm. all the people who are listening to yeah. what the DJ is playing. We get a mechanic shop, Pop's Diner, um, the girl sitting on the bed yeah. in her room, and they're all listening to this song. So then when he, he moves in on the DJ, he does the same thing. Grabs his yep. head, but he doesn't kill him right away. Not right away. Um, instead, he throws the, the needle off the record and turns on the microphone. Yeah. And he recites the... The incantation. This is the water. And this is the well. Drink full and descend. The horse is the white of the eyes. And dark within. And we, so we, we see him doing this, um, and then we get not just what is happening in the studio, like he's continuing to crush the guy's head, but again, not killing him. And then we get the effect it has on the, the listeners. Right. Um, and, you know, the, the mechanic 
drops his wrench and falls down and the waitress collapses. Um, but the effect on the young girl doesn't seem quite as severe, maybe? Like, well, it doesn't happen as quickly. It seems like she has enough wherewithal to kind of, like, she's going to move towards it to maybe turn, turn off, off the radio, but then she does fall asleep. So, and I'm saying she falls asleep. When I first watched it, I thought they died. Yeah, me but, too. I assume but I think that this is just putting them into it. It's like a trance mm-hmm. state that makes them fall asleep and, and yeah. susceptible to something. Yeah. Um, and then that's when the frickin' uh, <laughs> arrives at her house. Yes, it's been crawling across the desert. It, it, flies at this point it maybe has enough strength it's just hatched I yeah, mean, i'm yeah. guessing it aiden was like why didn't it just fly, just fly the there? whole way come on dude but, but anyway yeah. <laughs> it flies up into her window and crawls into her mouth and then she swallows it and she swallows it and it's such a horrific moment of i mean it's it's this is a beautiful moment because it made me realize that david lynch could absolutely do 100 percent realistic cgi if he wanted to yeah so everything the he's done is on purpose yes it's yeah. on purpose he did that to affect something Mm -hmm. and um i was guilty of it in that first episode of being disenchanted with the cgi but but if you look at it now looking back i can see it's just another tool in his artist paint kit that he's going to use to um to create this artwork um because here we see this this bug and it looks like it is actually crawling inside her mouth and uh and then she swallows it and it's it's a horrifying scene but it's fascinating too because what does so it much. what does it mean right <laughs> so great um, the woodsman kills the DJ back at the the radio mm. station and he leaves and as he's walking out over the desert we hear a horse whinnying yeah. in the background yeah. um, which not only calls back to the horse that he's talking about but also the horse that Sarah Palmer sees which has led a lot of people ourselves included to believe that the girl on the bed is actually Sarah Palmer and, and that the frickets is Laura uh, having been sent down. Um, it, I mean, there's some reasons to doubt this, of course. You know, there were the eggs that appeared uh, in in the stream of mother yeah. juice, uh, or experiment juice, I guess. Uh, so potentially this is just one of those eggs. Um, but I feel like, A, the timeline would match. This is a girl of 13, 14. By the time 1972 was around, which would be when Laura Palmer was mm-hmm. conceived and born, uh, she'd be about 29 or 28 or something like yeah. that. Uh, which would be perfect timing for... It also doesn't match up with the idea that at this point in time, Bob was already tormenting Leland up at Pearl Lakes, right? Presumably. We don't have an exact timeline for that, but based on what we've heard Leland say in in the original series, that's when that would have been happening. So can Bob be in two places at once? We don't know, but it seems at this point he can't be. Um, The other thing that it could be is that... um, like Some people have suggested that this is is, uh, Maddie's mom, Beth, Mm. Or that it's Dale Cooper's mom. I think that oh. that is stretching it a little bit because uh, Cooper yeah. was born in 1954, I think, and this is 1956. Yeah, but girls had children younger. For okay, sure. but she yeah. wasn't. But he would have been born already. Is my point. Wait, when was he born? 1954. Oh, yeah. So it's before right. the time. Of Unless you use the date of birth on the thing that's right. described so, there, right? Right, so I mean, we know that his da- his birth date has been retconned. A lot of dates have been retconned. So it's really it's really hard to know. But I think. Something has been sent to Earth. We've seen evil things with that we're putting together with Bob, mm-hmm. that those are bad things sent to Earth, and we've seen this golden orb sent to Earth. Is there a possibility that both of those things have been sent at the same time, that they're part of the same thing? Yeah. Did the golden orb... That golden orb was sent down in 1945. Could Did, that have been when the, when the girl was born? And maybe the girl mm. has the golden orb in her, and now this cricket 
fricket thing comes into her and now she's got that in her too and maybe that's the dark side of laura that's going to come out when the so she's got the good side and the gold and the bad side and the cricket and that's going to combine to create laura and and it's interesting when my initial thing was definitely that's laura that's sarah palmer now she has sarah palmer she has laura ready to go inside of her and it would explain why they only have one child and all this stuff um but you were like, but the the fricket is so just kind of disturbing looking. Well, it's grotesque. It's, it's grotesque, not. Yeah. It's not something that that I could see being easily associated with somebody beautiful and and you know like Laura, Positive. right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that's me making a value judgment. I think the other thing that it could be is that this is nobody related to any story in Twin Peaks, and then all of these eggs were sent out onto the Earth in order to put these evil things into as many people as possible and this is just one of those evil eggs one of the woodsmen who is sending this entire town to sleep in order to implant evil into this one girl but that two towns over the same thing is happening happening, and in another state and in another you know country these things are happening all over the world and Mm -hmm. that this is how evil has been disseminated in the world yep no and that's definitely a a very because it does feel like this is a, a physical representation of what um like being inhabited would, mm-hmm. would look like, yeah, right? literally, yeah, yeah. It's a bug crawling inside your mouth. Yeah, it's pretty that horrific. Takes the place of where your conscience should be if <laughs> you're Leland Palmer, right? So, yeah, I mean, this is these are all really, and again, we don't know what the hell's going on no. because the the episode ends with, um, we get the shot of the sleeping girl in yep. her bed, and and that's it. That's it. Uh, so yeah, we don't know where this is gonna go. We don't know if that's the end of the 1950s storyline. Yeah, I mean, I'm hoping not because it was really beautiful to watch. But yeah. I don't know how much. I mean, we've got nine hours left. So or yeah, yeah, yeah. no, ten. Ten hours left. Ten hours left. Oh, thank oh, God, it's an extra hour. <laughs> so excited. Um, but yeah, we just we just don't know. I will tell you three things. So it's time for uh, three things. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have asked John Bernardi, uh, the pop podcasting uh, guru, I mm-hmm. would say. He he does know all when it comes to Twin Peaks podcasts. Um, three questions, um, and they're related to this episode. And thank God for John giving us another thing. Because there, this is such an episode that we, we really could use an outside point of view. Mm-hmm. So our first question that we had for him was, what the heck is going on? But we were kidding. He didn't actually give us a, an answer to that because we did tell him we were kidding. But really, what the heck is going on? Yeah, that's a good one. Um, what Was this the birth of Laura, the birth of Bob, or both, or neither? And John says, both, with an exclamation mark. Or it's Bob's introduction to our world and the birth of what will become Laura one day. And I like that, too. I think that this is... This is Bob's birth on our world, but it's not his birth as a being. Yeah, I think no. he existed before that. And a lot of people have been questioning um, how this relates to the secret history of Twin Peaks because we saw that Lewis and, and Clark had experiences up in the Pacific Northwest, that yeah. the Nez Perce had their issues up there with with the... The giant owls and other things, Yeah, right? so, I mean, there were things that were happening. It's possible that when this nuclear explosion was set off, that that is what created the time rift, that it went out forwards and backwards in time, and that it affected everything along that path. And now the Black Lodge is able to access all, all parts, parts of time human and, history. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I kind of like that. I, I also like my own pet theory, which is that there are multiple different worlds that we can get in touch with. The purple, uh, the giants, 
black and white world is one of them. Okay. And I feel like that connection's always been there. That's why he can just use the machine to pop Laura into into the world. Um, I feel like the Black Lodge as a structure um, only exists after 1945. And yes, maybe it did reach back and forth in time, but the spirits really? like Bob, yeah, and Mike and the, the evils um, only existed after that point. I feel like this was the creation of the gateway to that world. I think there's a world full of owl spirits that are out there, and I feel like there's a world full of uh, the aliens from the secret history of Twin Peaks. And But the reason they all show up after Roswell and after is because Roswell took place in New Mexico after the atomic bomb. Mm-hmm. So Roswell was another, perhaps the first time that someone mm-hmm. pushed through and appeared physically. But all the other flying saucer events in the secret history are more or less a, a cause or a, an effect, sorry, of uh, the nuclear explosion. But anyways, that, that's digressing. Let's, let's go back. Um, second question for John was, who's the girl in 1956? Uh, he says, I almost expect the girl won't be anyone important, but I could see a case to be made that she's Cooper's mom, Sarah Palmer, or even the Jacoby's mom, which I know, is interesting. I, that is interesting, too. I know that John is is quite interested in the story of Robert Jacoby, especially with the secret history of Twin Peaks. So I'm feeling I'm feeling he's very deeply invested in this in this version of events. I'm not convinced that it's Jacoby's, the Jacoby's mom. I think the strongest case could be made that it's either Sarah Palmer or... No one in particular. Mm-hmm. I think those are the strongest cases, but we'll see. We'll see. Maybe. Maybe we'll see. Maybe we'll Maybe see. Maybe this is all we'll see. I don't know. Anyways. Third question. What's going on with Mr. C when he sits back up again in the forest? Is it the bobless doppelganger or is good coop back? And John says, it's the doppelcoop without Bob. Can't see any other option. That will make things interesting. I can't wait to see what an evil Cooper is like without the noisy appetite yapping <laughs> at him. It's not good Cooper, though. His eyes are still wrong. Although, Cooper without his shoes might be an indicator of what a doppelganger is without his bob. Wouldn't it be funny if they both have to learn to talk now? Wouldn't that just endear the fan base? Because now we have to go through another four hours of doppelcoop learning how to talk before before Dougie oh, Coop and doppelcoop get back together. Yeah. I could I could see David Lynch doing that, yeah. but and then they do the uh, Dragon Ball Z fusion dance. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, that's totally it. Um, I, I, but yeah, I mean, I I do think when I first saw it, I thought, oh yeah, no, you know, yeah, well, yeah, Dougie just, Coop is gone, yeah, Cooper's back, yeah. Well, because we the, but, Mike told us, like, yeah, yeah you want to us to die, yeah. So, oh yeah, that too. Yeah, but then it happened, and he didn't die. So yeah, we have no idea we'll what's see. going on. Yeah. This is where things are going to get really exciting because we we don't have a regular episode coming out next week. We don't have a uh, because we don't have a part. Part nine will be airing in the second weekend of July. Yeah. And um. So next week instead, we are going to we are combining forces with our illustrious colleagues over at Time for Cakes and Ale who are doing the Time for Cherry Pie and Coffee Twin Peaks podcast. So Bex and Eason are going to be joining us. We are going to be joining them for a two-part special crossover episode um, where we kind of go into some of the deeper theories and questions and things that we have. We want to know questions that you have as well. Mm -hmm. So this is your chance to reach out to us and tell us what you think. Ask the questions that are bugging you. Give us your wildest most out there theories about what you think is going to happen next. If you want to talk about the glass box and how this relates back to that, if you have some fantastical theory about who Mother is or what connection Tracy has to all of this, or if you want to talk about Bill Hastings. We haven't seen Bill Hastings in a few hours. So um, this is your chance. So if you want to contact us, definitely uh, tweet at us, 
Yep. Um, you can send us an email, uh, bickeringpeaks at gmail.com. Uh, find us on Facebook. You can see, leave us a message there. Um, leave us a comment on the SoundCloud page. Any way you want to get in touch with us to leave us those questions, we'd love to hear from you and have you included in our fantastic crossover episode, Listening Post Alpha. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after that, Aiden and I are going to be in Paris yes. for the bulk of the summer. Mm-hmm. Um, so hopefully it won't in- impact our ability to podcast and release on Tuesdays. Uh, yeah, we'll we have to figure the... out the, the time change now, but yeah. we'll be eight hours ahead of where we are now. But And um, also, yeah, we have to watch it on our little laptops and stuff. So we can't get the David Lynch experience. That it's going to be, it's gonna be a, little, a little difficult. When Aiden booked this trip, we uh, we didn't quite know when Twin yeah, Peaks was going to We thought maybe be. it would be in the fall or something. and. Who it knows? But but it was not. We're going to make the best of it. We're going to be in Paris. It'll be great. Yeah. But, so you uh, might hear some, you know, Parisian clatter from the streets. Yeah. And the accordions and, and people uh, selling bread and yeah. mimes. Can you hear mimes? You can hear the mimes. You can hear the in mimes France, in France. You can definitely hear the mimes. Uh, uh, sorry so to our French. <laughs> we're joking. But uh, yeah. Yeah. It'll be fantastic. And uh, and yeah, as always, we hope that you'll continue to tune in and send us those questions. If you're enjoying the show and want to join the conversation, you can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash bickeringpeaks, all one word. You can also follow us on Twitter, that's at bickeringpeaks. Or you can head over to iTunes and leave us a review or comment. We'd love to hear from you.